it's been such a crazy week in sports. I'm not even sure where we're exactly supposed to start. Did we start with the Pelicans who have won six of seven and find themselves in position now to realistically make the play-in game? Zion, is he coming back? Do we talk about the LSU women playing in the Final Four on Friday night and potentially playing in a championship game on Sunday if they can beat Virginia Tech? What about Major League Baseball's opening day? What about UConn on the other side of the Final Four? What about the Saints? Who are they going to draft? I, I don't know. I'm having brain overload. I mean, I feel like my, my head's going to... Well, maybe it will. We'll find out coming up next on Datitude. If you're looking for the latest scoop and in-depth interviews on the Saints, the NFL, the Pelicans, LSU, along with the best bets of the week, then lucky you. Along with high-powered, in-the-know guests who cover our teams, Jim Derry brings plenty of datitude. And he'll always tell you the way it is, or at least the way he thinks it is. Where you at, New Orleans? And hello to all my friends out there waiting to find out when I'm going to use that stupid explosion sound this week. I mean, none of us have brackets that are alive, right? So there's absolutely no reason to use it. In fact, you know what? I'm not going to use it. I am not going to use that stupid explosion sound today. Well, you know I had to get in my April Fool joke for the day. I mean, that's it. I had to get it out of my system. It is now out of my system. That's it. No more explosion sound. No more April Fool's joke. Okay, wait, maybe one more. I swear I'm, I'm good now. All right, it's out of my system. If that's the worst thing that happens on April Fool's Day, uh, which the day before, it's a good thing the show wasn't actually on April Fool's Day. Oh, we'd probably have a real problem. I mean, y'all would have stopped listening to it already by now. But it's not. We're good. I'm good. No bitching sessions today. Although, by the way, for those of you who listen uh, to the show every week, hold on, let me introduce myself first. I'm Jim Derry, sports betting writer at the Times-Picune, the advocate, and bet.nola.com, and I have serious ADHD. And this is Datitude, episode number 143 for a Friday, March 31st. 2023. I think some of y'all listen because I have ADHD. Anyway, back to my story before I was rudely interrupting myself. Um, remember a few weeks ago when I talked about the DMV and the DOTD and getting that that ticket in the mail and having to sit on hold for 20 minutes, and, and I did spend a bitch session on that? Um, well, I got another one. That same idiot over the same bridge. I don't know who the bigger idiot is. Is the bigger idiots the people that sent me the ticket again? After I thought we fixed this already. It's in a different ticket. The other one was like, it looked like early morning or something. It had like that, it's either early morning or late evening. This one was like in the pitch black dark. All you could see was like, sort of see the taillights and the license plate, which clearly isn't my license plate, by the way. I, I, I don't understand. I don't know who the bigger idiot is. The idiot who keeps driving across this toll bridge and not play, paying the toll. Or the idiot who keeps sending me a ticket. And now i got to go waste. Uh, I'm not going to bitch. I just thought I actually thought this one was kind of funny. I kind of chuckled. But I am going to have to. I haven't done it yet. But I'm going to have to go spend more time on the phone with the DMV and get it straightened. I'm sure it'll get straightened out. But now I'm still going to start having a, a think a ticker. Let's see how many of these I get before they realize that this ain't me. And it's five bucks. I mean, really, in theory, if I wasn't just so, I don't know, stubborn, maybe that's the right, I don't know, whatever word you want to use. But I'm, I'll be damned if I'm going to pay $5 for any moron that does something. It's just the principle of the thing. I don't even care if it's on my record. Who cares? I'm not paying five bucks. It ain't happening. Anyway. I digress. We have so much to talk about, and I'm sitting here talking about a stupid, the stupid DMV. And if anyone that works for the DMV listens to the show, I'm not calling you stupid. I'm calling the, the organization you work for or association or government group or whatever the hell you want to call it. They're a bunch of morons, okay? I mean, it, it's really not that hard. 
I remember that I told you the last time I had to call, when I finally got someone, the lady that I got on the phone was uber nice, super nice. And hopefully I'll get her again. I, I, I don't know. But uh, I'm sure we'll tell you about it next Friday because I'm sure you'll be back. I mean, if you've lasted, if you've lasted 143 episodes, you're going to keep coming back to find out what the hell I'm going to say next, right? All right. Well, what the hell I'm going to say next is the Pelicans. And um, we are going to talk about all sorts of things. This is probably the show so far this year where we have had the most different topics in one show. And uh, we had we have David Grubb on this morning. We talked to him on a live show um, on all of our bet.nola.com and nola.com social media stations. We do that every Friday at 9.15, by the way. Uh, and then attack on my monologue, and you're listening to it here. But uh, we had all kinds of things to talk about. We talked about the Pelicans for about half the show. Um, will Zion come back? The leadership qualities of Brandon Ingram getting over that loss to the, the Warriors and winning last night, even if Jokic didn't play. Uh, it was still impressive. Uh, where this team's going, our predictions for whether it's going to be playoffs, play-in, or nothing. We give our predictions on that. And if Zion will play in the regular season in a potential playoff or play-in, or will he not play at all this season? We talk about those things uh, coming up, so I'm not going to spend too, too much time talking about that. But um, look... It is important for him to get in there if he can. I said in January, I didn't think he would play the rest of the regular season. I'm not so sure. Uh, maybe he will play. Um, maybe he'll play in the last game or two and get himself ready for a potential playing game. Who knows? I don't think any of us know. I don't think he knows. I don't know that the club knows at this point. It's a, it's a weird situation with him, for sure. We're going to talk about the final four both the men's and the women, and obviously here in uh, this part, these parts, back and around these parts, um, we're looking at LSU and the women. And can they beat Virginia Tech tonight in advance to play either South Carolina or Iowa? And let me tell you, even though I have a big future, I bet at minus 180, South Carolina to win the whole thing, and I still think they're overwhelmingly the best team in the field. Um I think their toughest game is tonight. I said this on Bayou Bets last night. Um, Iowa is not going to be an easy out. Caitlin Clark, in case you don't know who she is, she's a real deal. She's been averaging 40 points a game. She's like the pistol Pete of women's basketball. She's just scoring any kind of way she wants to score. Um, and she's making it look easy. Will she be able to do so against the loaded South Carolina, game, South Carolina Gamecocks tonight? We'll find out. But I think that game is... You know, the uh, South Carolina is an 11.5-point favorite. I think Iowa is a, a value there. I think that's going to be a single-digit um, spread. And then I think South Carolina will win. And, um, you know, I'm giving too much away, but I don't think it's a, it's a secret. I've been saying it. I think South Carolina is going to move on and win the championship game fairly easily. We'll see if I'm right about that. And then on the men's side, um, Again, I don't want to give away too much, but anyone that's listened to me at all, anywhere, whether it be here or Bayou Bets or wherever, I thought UConn was the best team in the tournament for like the last two weeks now. I'm not going to change my opinion now. Um, although San Diego State's pretty darn good. We'll see what happens there. David Grubb and I are going to talk about that. And then, of course, we're going to talk about the Saints. Um, and uh, that's actually how we wrap up our segment. We finish with the Saints um, and where we think who we think they need to, not necessarily who, but what position maybe the, to look out and see who the Saints are going to draft. Uh, and then also talk about Major League Baseball's opening day. And before I get to David, I actually, you know, would like to touch on that for a second. Again, don't want to spend too much time because we talk about all these things with David. But I'll tell you, man, it was refreshing. I was surprised. I got to say, I was really surprised yesterday. Um, you know, last year I had trouble really kind of getting into baseball. And maybe it's because it was taking too long. Maybe it's because the Cubs stunk. Uh, maybe it's because my fantasy baseball team stunk. Maybe it's a combination of all those things. But baseball was getting kind of stale. Um, now, I'm not a fan of this new schedule, and maybe it's my get-off-my-lawn moment. But I'm not a fan of this new schedule. In case you don't know, uh, baseball's playing. You know, I knew they were going to expand interleague as best they could. And I guess it's time to just embrace it and forget about it. It's never going to be anything like it was before. 
Um, but I don't like that they've cut down on the amount of division games, and now you play everyone at some point in the season. You play all, what is that, 30 teams in, in baseball? You play all 29 other teams. If you're a Cubs fan, you will play the Mariners. You will play the Royals. You will play the Yankees, the Red Sox, which fine and dandy. You'll play the Guardians. You'll play everybody. You're going to play them all at some point in the season. I'm not a fan of that at all. Um, you know, I like when teams play in the World Series and they haven't faced each other. Um, I like when the pennants, the NL pennant and the AL pennant means a little bit more when it is what, what it used to be. Um, I'm not saying I want to go back to the old days of baseball because I don't. And one great conversation that I have with David about uh, Major League Baseball is um, they have really opened up to diversity and baseball needs to be more diverse because let's be frank, they haven't been, uh, they haven't done a very good job and so they've done a better job the last five or ten years, but they need to work on that, um, and they are, and things are getting better in that department. And, and as because of it, baseball is more fun to watch, I think. But um, so I don't want to say I'm all old school when it comes to that stuff, but um, there are some things that I think that are better left. I don't know. We're, we're not changing. Look, the designated hitters in the National League now, for Christ's sake. I mean, I guess I got to be realistic, but we get into those things with with David, and it's a fun talk. So we'll get to we'll get to David Grubb here, and then we will wrap up the show. I'm going to try not to do any more April Fool stuff, but I can't promise anything. See, I just couldn't help myself. It kind of I kind of made myself do it. It's the ADHD. But let's cut that off and get to our interview of the day. We'll see you when we're done. David, it's been a little bit, a little while. What's going on with you this morning? You know, it's just that time of year um, with the Pelicans in in the heat of a playoff race, and then of course uh, I do work with um, um, MLBBro.com. So the yes, baseball season has that. gotten going, and and I'm really excited about that as well. We're going to talk about MLBBro.com because I saw that, and uh, I was very interested to to see. You're going to let you talk a little bit about that and see what that's all about. But here's what the lineup is for the show. We got some new graphics, so we're just going to, you know. I spent this week doing some different things. So here's what we got going on the show. Here are the, 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 the top topics of the day. Obviously, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about the Pelicans. Three-in-one road trip. Woo! Man, needed that game last night against the Denver Nuggets, and they got it. Helped shake that loss to the Warriors. We're going to get into that in a little bit. Dub's gotten uh, Pell's head, I think, a little bit. We're going to get into that. Final four is the UConn Huskies. Are they the favorite now in this crazy the craziest Final Four, I think, of my lifetime. I'll ask David what he thinks in a little bit. And, of course, the LSU women are eyeing the national title. They have a Final Four semifinals matchup tonight against top-seeded Virginia Tech. We're also going to talk again about MLB's opening day, the new rules. Do you like them? Do you not like them? I think we like them so far. We'll see what, we, what, what David has to say. And then also we'll finish it off talking about the Saints and what we think they might what direction they might go in the draft. So those, that's the lineup for the show today on Datitude. But we got to start off with the Pelicans. And, David, I tell you, um, and we kind of talked a little bit about it off the air, but after that kind of that Tuesday debacle, you're up by 20 points, you're up by 17 at the half. And the way the third quarter started and ended against Golden State just kind of killed you. And I was really worried. And, look, great. Jokic doesn't play. That doesn't mean that I didn't wasn't worried about how this team was going to come out after that Tuesday game. But they came out, and they took care of business. Yeah, I think everybody had to be worried um, after the Warriors game, the way that it ended, because, you know, the, the, the conventional wisdom being, oh, well, they were on the second day of a back-to-back. Well, the Pelicans were rested going into that game. Right. You know, they had had four, you know, five straight blowouts going into that. The starters had played roughly at the most 33 minutes in a game. So you weren't seeing them log heavy minutes. They should have been rested for that Warriors game. And I think it showed right there mentally the gap between a championship team and a team trying to get to that level. So for them to come back, and even with the gift of Jokic not playing, you still had to get that win. There was no way, reasonably, that they could come back to New Orleans and be a game under 500, lose two in, the, in a row on the back end of that road trip, and have anybody feel comfortable about what's about to happen over these last five, game, five games, which are really difficult. 
and especially with what's happened elsewhere. You know, I, I thought before the road trip that if they went two and two, they could navigate things. But because of the way that Tuesday went, I thought it was so super important to, to get the win, like you said. But not only that, because of what the other teams are doing, I mean, the Lakers look starting to look like the Lakers that they wanted to be. Um, you know, LeBron back and in, in playing like, you know, pretty close to LeBron, his old self. Not quite there, but, uh, you know, and you know he's going to get there by the time the playoffs get here. So with the way that everything's going, you know, Dallas isn't playing that great. Oklahoma City's playing a, a little bit better. Um, you know, the Pels can't afford anything. I mean, although they're on the cusp of, of six, they're also on the cusp of 10 or 11. And, you know, the fortunate thing for them is that, you know, Portland has called it a season. They wrapped it yeah. up. So it's they've the chances of making it have improved dramatically because really it's 11 teams now fighting for 10 spots. It's no longer 12. It's essentially 11. You're trying to see if Utah is going to figure themselves out and get back in it. But everybody else is pretty much a lot. And I think it, for the Pelicans, it's about now it's about positioning unless they really go off the deep end over this next week. This week is so critical for them because it's four home games. They have chances to beat teams that are all in front of them in the standings. And, you know, to get these victories is going to be huge because matchups become so critical um, in this playoff race. You know, what's funny is if you go back and after that Rockets lost, to think that if you would, someone would have told us that, hey, they're going to win six of the next seven. You know, we would have probably been excited, thrilled, whatever. And, and yet still, here we are, winning six of seven. And I don't know how much better I feel about this team than I did. after. That. Of course you feel better. And we showed the, the schedule and who, who they've defeated. And they've defeated the teams they were supposed to beat since that Houston loss. But at the same time, you know, nails crunch time. You talk about coming home and playing four games in a row at home before closing it up against Minnesota. You know, now, looking back, they had to win six of seven. Just to give themselves a chance. Like, they don't have anything guaranteed at this point. They just have a chance. And so, yeah, it's great to to be in position, but it's as much an act of what's gone on around them. Like you said, that other teams have stumbled as well. No one has separated themselves. So the Pelicans have been fortunate in that. So, yeah, the questions that existed before they started winning, they haven't changed. I don't right. think you feel like you've gotten answers to any of those questions. It's just that they're still in the same place, essentially, that they were before the Houston game, before that loss. They're still fighting for their lives, and they can't lose any games, really. You, you're in a position where you, you've got to get to 500. Like, at the end of the season, if you can get to 41 wins, you feel comfortable about being in the playoffs. Yeah, I agree. I think that's what it takes. I think 41 to get in the playoff realist, uh, to play in realistically. Uh, is where you got to be, and we'll, we'll see how that happens. Here with David Grubb this on this Friday morning, as we do every Friday morning in our live show at 9.15 a.m., Datitude Podcast. Uh, if you have any comments or questions, feel free to le uh, leave them there. If you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, they will appear. We'll show them on the screen. If you're watching on Twitter, uh, you'll have to tweet at me, at Jim Derry Jr., and uh, we'll try to get that on the air as well. We'll be here till oh, around 10 o'clock or so and uh, and see how it goes. Got a lot of, to talk about today. Uh, want to stay on this Pelicans thing. I want to, uh, you know, man, you talk about Brandon Ingram and what he's been able to do and stepping up his game. You know, he came off the injury and worried about him for about a week and a half, two weeks. It seemed like to take him to get back into basketball shape. Um, but now <laughs> two triple doubles, the first two triple doubles of his career in a week. I mean, he has just kind of taken this thing over. He's playing to the level that he's expected to. You know, and, and I mean, quite frankly, this is what he was supposed to be doing all season long. This is what you not not a triple double every night. Right, right. But being the best player on the floor, by and large, for the Pelicans. That's what he's supposed to be. He's supposed to be the leader of this team. They put him in the middle of all the marketing. They made him the franchise player while Zion Williamson was gone. And even with that, he, he looked like he wanted to assume that. He made himself in that. He put himself in that position. So. To me, the criticism of Brandon Ingram this year has been because people expected him to play like an all-star every night, and he hadn't done that. He had good games. He was scoring, but he wasn't playing like an all-star. This last stretch, we've seen him play like the guy we saw at the end of last season and in the playoffs, but he's got to continue to do that, and he has to do that 
against the best teams. He didn't have his best game against Golden State. So he's got to show that he can do that against the best teams because it's not just good enough to be the best player against bad teams. Man, you're, you're sounding like a dad that's a little harsh there, David. I mean, I mean, you know, the dude scored two triple doubles. I mean, like, this is what you're supposed I mean, man. Not the triple doubles, but he's supposed he should not be the best player for the Pelicans by default. You know what I mean? Like you should he should be asserting himself right. in that level. And that's what you want to see. That I think that's in an, an embracing of his ability. Because if we didn't have that expectation, the same with Zion. The reason people are so optimistic is because yeah. he can change the course of the game. He is such uh, turning into uh, this quiet leader. You can see it. I mean, he's always been a quiet dude. But you could always you could see now that, man, don't mess with me. I mean, I, that kind of thing, you know. And, and I'm so glad to see that's, that's the next stage of development in his career. I think that we're really seeing that now with him. And I, and I love watching players grow. That's one of my favorite things. And, and really, frankly, one of the reasons why I've always loved cover, covering high school. You see these kids develop as, as they go through, and they're such different kids once they become seniors. But to me, we were watching Brandon Ingram grow to almost star level, and I know he's been an all-star. That, that, that's not what I'm talking about. It's a different kind of level, mm-hmm. and I think we're seeing that in front of our eyes. Hopefully. You know, the, the one thing is you don't want to have to push it out of him. Yeah. And it feels like that's the, the level that, that he hasn't reached yet. Like, there has to be this motivation um, because he did struggle with it. And there was some questions within and out without the locker room. Those come-to-Jesus meetings that C.J. McCollum is talking about, part of that is about guys asking Brandon Ingram to step up. You know, and it's not that they, again, that they don't believe in him. It's because they do. They know how good he can be. And so they're asking him to assert himself. He has to lead them home. He has to be the guy because CJ just isn't capable. He knows oh, that's where I was going you know? next. So they need Brandon to be that guy. They, like you said, all-star doesn't mean anything. That's a statistical designation. Superstar is a guy who leads his team and, yeah. and, is, and creates Absolutely. winning. Yeah. And, and does it worry you at all? I mean, I got to say, now last night I thought he played very well. But there have been times when CJ just doesn't show up. And he takes poor shots at times. Uh, he doesn't pass it, I think, when he needs to pass it, which I didn't see last year when he came here. Um, I don't know if he's pressing too much or trying to do too much at different times. But last night I thought he played well. But for, for the most part, for the past month or so, I'm, i got to say I'm disappointed with the way he's played. And to me, he needs to be that guy. Um, he doesn't need to be Brandon Ingram uh, to Brandon Ingram's level, but he needs to be that guy. You know, he's been kind of this adult in the room since he's come here, and um, I don't know. I'm just it, it's just something I can't put my finger on with C.J. McCollum that it has bothered me a little bit. Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing for C.J. is that he's playing the wrong role. Yeah. You know, he's, he's having it. to be the second guy, and he's supposed to be the third, yeah. you know, at this stage in his career. And I think he's, he's, he's put in a position where he has to deal with the ball too much. Yeah. He is supposed think... to be a quick decision. Like, you, you get in a pick and roll and make one decision and done. But he's having to run the offense way too much. And that's a, a problem with the roster construction. The Pelicans don't have a point guard. They don't have a point guard. So when you have that situation and you're not playing Kyra Lewis, Dyson Daniels really does not run the offense when he's in. He's more of a defensive player at this stage. They don't have anybody besides Brandon and CJ who's gonna, who are going to handle the ball in the half court. You don't really trust Josh Richardson to run the offense. So it, I think that's a big problem for the Pelicans is that's where teams take advantage of them as you force those two guys, just Brandon and CJ, to make the decisions. And both of them can be high turnover guys when they're in those when they're having you know bad nights. CJ's had a lot of five, six turnover games. So is Brandon when, when they are really forced into those situations. So the ball has to move for the Pelicans. You miss Jose Alvarado, don't you? They really do. They really do. And it's it's not just, you know, it's that it, they miss his energy. But you miss that depth of having another ball handler, somebody who can break pressure, somebody who can get in the paint and, and kick it out. They don't they don't just don't, they just don't have enough guys who can do that right now. You miss a real pain in the ass of the uh, of the opponent. That cuz that's what he is. I mean, he just like he's like a bee that stings you in the backside that you just can't get rid of. And and I you, you know, you talk about his energy to me, that's what I miss more than anything. He was the guy who last year, and you, you look at, like, what's different from last year? They didn't have Zion last year at this time. What's different to me? That's that's the number one factor. They're, they are not the same 
activity wise on defense without Jose, you know, Herb is an elite, Herb Jones is an elite defender. Elite. I mean, just, it's going to be a shame that he doesn't make um, first team all NBA because he just won't because the Pelicans aren't good enough. But, you know, you look at the rest of that team defensively, they aren't great individual defenders. They can play as a, as a unit okay in their top five defense in the league because of that as a group. But Jose is the only one, like you said, who can be an irritant in that regard that can not only create stuff, but just get inside the other team and upset their apple cart, make them think about him. And that part defensively changes how teams you know, operate. They have to know where Jose is and what he's doing. They have to be aware that he might sneak up and steal the ball. So that changes the, your awareness, and it changes how you get into things. And that little bit of interruption for an NBA offense is so important. Jim Derry here with David Grubb on this Friday morning Datitude episode number 143. March 31st, I did not have any April Fool's jokes for anybody because, uh, you know, I, I, I'm going to save them. I'm, I'm going to save them for the monologue, which you can hear uh, wherever you find your podcast, Datitude. My monologue will be added to this show. Um, who knows what we might have? And we'll, we'll have something, something good for you. We'll save it up. All right, we've got to talk about the Zion in the room. Uh, we see him. Look, I love the fact that he is engaged. Um, he's not just this guy sitting on the. I mean, I feel better about where I'm. And look, I know a lot of a lot of fans are ticked off, and you know, there's he's a 22 year old kid, which is what people forget to realize. I am so sick of he, p- people talking about how he's a bust and he's this and he's that. He's 22 years old for He's not Michael Thomas. That's a, it's a completely different situation. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that even though he has not been able to get on the court for two months, uh, two and a half months now, look, he is there every night and he's doing his job the best he can. And I think that if he gets a chance to come on and play the last two games or get in there in the play-in or whatever it is, he's going to be a factor one way or another. I mean, he's absolutely going to be a factor because you have to account for him. Um, on offense, the way you few players in the NBA, you know, he can he changes the entire way you play defense because you can't really account for him one on one. There's nobody right. who can guard him in the league one on one, and and that's a that's a problem. And in a playoff series in particular, because he can create a mismatch every time down the floor. the 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 question for Zion, of course, is where are the Pelicans going to be with three games in the left in the season? Where are they? Where is he health wise? And where are they? You saw him warming up yesterday before the game. He still looks a little heavy. You know, I mean, like, he hasn't been running. I mean, a hamstring injury means you're not running a lot. You're not exploding a lot because they're trying not to have that thing pop. So he looks a little heavy. That means he's probably not going to be – you don't count on him to be playing 25 to 30 minutes, um, you know, probably under, just under 25. If you can get him 25 minutes a game at the end of this regular season, if that's available, I don't see why David Griffin won't do it. Because the one thing you have to have of this team is more information. Like you're going into next season already. Like if just thinking about that, no matter what, you're still not expecting this team to win a championship this year, even if Zion comes back. So if you're thinking about next year, everybody is going to be under the gun. No, no matter we, what the pressure we is go be back to, we, we wouldn't go back to the Van Gundy experiment where he like came in like he came in with either a four minutes left or like, it was like, okay, Oh no, it won't be like that kind of burst. Time. But I, I think the, you know, the time will, I think there will be a time restriction, but I, I think it'll be, you know, if you're going to use him to me, you got to start him. Cause that you can't right. rest. You know, once you get warmed up, you gotta, gotta let him play. And I think it'll be like that though, that he'll play his full first half, you know, minutes together in a string and then he'll play his full second half minutes in a string and you see what you can get. But it all depends on where the Pelicans are when he gets back. You know, if they if they stumble in these first three before he before he's eligible to return, then there may not be a reason to put him on the floor. Well, so I think that's going to be the question. We look at the schedule, and this is not anything but easy. I mean, you just beat the Clippers, so you know they're going to be ready to to come in here and and play with fire. You're talking about Sacramento, maybe the best offense in the NBA. Uh, and you're talking about Memphis, who now with Ja back is really starting to play. So you, you talk about those three games, and will he come back for the Knicks and the Timberwolves? We, we don't know. But, I mean, what kind of, to be realistic, you want to go, obviously, two and one over the stretch, but, I mean, that, that is a tough stretch at home. 
David, I don't, I don't know. What, what are your expectations for what they need to do over these, the course of these next three games against three of the better teams in the West? You got to try to win the first two. You know, because that back-to-back with, with Sacramento and Memphis is ridiculous. Yeah. That, that's really hard because Sacramento is going to run you the night before, and then Memphis is going to run you the next night. Right. So those are up-tempo teams. The Clippers, at least, are going to be slow. You have, you've had a lot of success over them. Eight out of the last nine, the Pelicans have won. So, you know, you feel confident in that. So you steal, you win the first one, then you've got to put everything into beating the Kings. you got to put everything into beating the Kings that night. Because if you lose to the Kings, and then you're back-to-back with Memphis the next night, psychologically, and then let's say you put the pressure of Zion, let's say they decide he's coming back on Wednesday. Can you imagine the pressure then? For that situation, if they're no. at one and one with Zion <laughs> coming back for the Memphis game and then having the Knicks on the weekend, that's just a, that it, the situation just around the team would be insane. All right, before we move on, prediction: Does Zion play this year? Does he play in the regular season, or does he play in a potential playing game, or does he not play at all? I will say, if they make the plans, I will play in the plan. That's almost, I think that's exactly the case. I think that maybe, David, that you do throw him in in a regular season finale if he's ready and you look like you're going to make the play in just so he can get in there and feel like, okay, the first time I play in three months is not in a, in a play-in game. Um, I, I think that no matter what happens, I don't see how that Timberwolves game doesn't mean something. Um, no matter what happens over the course of the next four games, you got to think it's going to mean something as far as people don't understand. And, and I had to actually uh, go back and look at it. The difference between 7, 8, 9, and 10, all big major differences, 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10, I should say. Because if, you, if you're in the play-in and people don't realize this, you play the 7, 8 game. If you're 7, you play at home. You win. That's it. You're moving on. You're playing your two seed and you're moving on. If you lose, then you got to host the 9-10 winner and hope you win that one. I mean, so it's a really big deal as far as where you finish. And we saw it last year. The Pelicans got hot. Luckily, they were in 9 and not 10, and they were able to play that, that home game against San Antonio. And then before going on the road and just got the right matchup to go on the road. So you can't count on that. You need to be as high as you can possibly get. It matters. Yeah, and if you are on the play and you want to host one of those games, because the Pelicans, we know that they have not been a great road team, you know, as particularly against good teams on the road. And, yeah, they picked up two wins over 500 teams against the Clippers and, and against Denver. But, again, those all wins are not created equal. Right. So we'll see, you know, in that cauldron of going into the postseason, it's a lot different of having to win two in a row on the road. And then you're talking about starting a playoff series on the road. So you're talking about the last game of the season on the road, two play-ins potentially on the road, and then starting the playoffs on the road. That is a hard road to toe. It, it, it most certainly is. And so we'll see if Zion comes back at all. I said when he went out. I think it was about a week after he went out. I said I thought he would be gone the rest of the regular season. And people told me I was crazy. And I'm like, I've seen this movie before. It's a hamstring. Yeah. It, but, but you're being safe. And I get it. You're, you're talking about, like you said, even though on January 3rd or January 4th, when we, we go back and we look at the, the standings, they were in third place in the West at the time. I don't know that you felt like you could rush him back because he is the future of this franchise along with Brandon Ingram. And you just can't rush these things. Not, not, not in today's NBA. It's a different NBA than you and I watched 10, 15, 20 years ago. It just is. It you just don't is. expect Zion Williams to be with this team for 20 years. You know, this is no. not that kind of league. So no. if, I, if your bet is, and this is the thing, in the NBA you are betting on the talent. That's what you're doing. And Zion is the most talented player on your roster. Yep. You are going to give him every opportunity to prove you wrong. You know what I'm saying? That's uh, that's the bet that the Pelicans that's the the money they have invested in him until this second contract is over. They're going to give him every opportunity to prove that they made a bad investment. You know what I'm yeah, saying? As far as they're concerned, 100%. it's a good one. And I and I don't blame them. I mean, you don't get this opportunity and if you can get 3 4 solid healthy years out of Zion Williamson, 
before he decides to move on in the next phase of his career, which is the way the NBA works nowadays. Nobody stays forever anymore. So if you get four solid years out of him, take it. Sounds like a bad song somewhere. Nobody stays forever. That's like a old <laughs> 80s song. love song. Or I don't know what that is, uh, but there's something in there somewhere. All right, uh, let's let's move on. We've got about 20 minutes left in the show, so, and we still got quite a few things to talk about. I want to jump to the final four, and I want to jump to the LSU women. It is exciting what Kim Mulkey has been able to bring back to this program, um, and not just the players that she has, but the, just, the, just the buzz, and to see the PMAC packed with women playing basketball they're packing the pmac over the women they don't care about the men this year and uh, for lots of reasons and just it's just no matter what happens tonight david it's been such a fun season and fun to watch with these girls i mean you look at women's basketball and it's having a great couple of years you know the last two years and completely and i think what you're seeing is the women's game has the stars now these are the players you know the names that you recognize are in the women's game not in the college, not in the men's game anymore in college. So, and it's not the same college game that you think about 20 years ago with the women, where you only had to know four or five teams. Right. Now you've got to look it up and down the brackets and see that they're, you know, when when you're talking about Iowa being in the Final Four for women, that's that's not normal. You know, say LSU hasn't been there in 20 years. You saying Caitlin Clark's pretty good? She's pretty good. You know, when you're dropping 40 <laughs> point triple doubles in the NCAA tournament, you're doing all right for yourself. Yeah. Um, she's, she's, you know, there's some phenomenal individual names. Every team has at least one player that that you have a name brand coming in with that has a huge following already. You know, and I mean, LSU's got multiple players. Angel Reese, multiple players. You know, Flo J, uh Johnson. You have all these players that people know now. And of course, Kim Mulkey. You know, whether you love her or hate her, and there's you know good reasons for both. If you know, if you want to get, if anybody wants to get into it, but the main thing is. In college sports, she's one of the few iconic figures remaining in that sport as far as coaches go, and she brings that lightning wherever, like you said, it's whether it's positive attention, whether it's negative, she says, look, if it gets one more person in the building, I'm good with that, and it does. It packs the, the PMAC. They're going to get that building's probably going to get renovations because she's paying for them, you know, with, with selling tickets over there. Can we love her but not necessarily love that Muppet jacket that she wears? That's bad, man. I mean, when my wife comes out, I'm like, my wife, look, she, she, she's not a huge basketball fan. She, she, but she stopped and she looked and she looks, and she doesn't know who Kim Mulkey is. She goes, what is that lady wearing? I'm like, she's wearing clothes that gets people to pay attention. And people are paying attention, I guess. I guess. I mean, that, that last one was, was extra. And look, I mean. Didn't you, you just know, want to say Menominat? She's robbing Craig Sager's Craig, Craig Sager's uh, <laughs> sure is. closet, but I never even thought about that. That's probably her spirit animal. She and Craig could have been a couple in another lifetime or something. <laughs> I think you're right. I think you're right. The late great Craig Sager. Um, will you talk? A bit, what do you think about LSU's chance? I mean, look, South Carolina, and I said that again this show, yesterday. I mean, no disrespect to LSU, but I think the winner of the South Carolina-Iowa game is the clear favorite to win this championship. And obviously, South Carolina is the clear favorite at about minus 360 or whatever they are. But that being said, Iowa presents this massive challenge that I think only they, I think they're going to be the toughest out South Carolina is going to have. And that includes if South Carolina wins the championship game on Sunday. This Iowa team is legit, and I think it's going to be a tight game into the fourth quarter, and I think a lot of Gamecocks fans are going to be clenching. They're going to be holding on to whatever they can hold on to because that's going to be a fun one. Again, no disrespect to LSU or Virginia Tech. To me, that's the game to watch. That's the one everybody's tuning in for. It's just like last year, the game in the the national semifinals. It was no disrespect to the eventual national champions, but everybody knew Carolina Villanova in the men's semifinals was the game. That was the game to watch. That was the de facto national championship. And I think that, that that's the same thing here is when you have the great individual story in Caitlin Clark, you know, the best women's player in, in the game right now. And then you have the best team over the last several years with the best coach in the country. So you take that and you have a national player of the year, national defensive player of the year going. I think the formula and the styles are perfect because South Carolina wants a slow grind it down game, but that's where individual players usually come and make a big difference. Because it's, it comes down to one or two shots, 
And if you're Caitlin Clark, you're like, I, I believe I can make those shots. And I believe she does. So I think this is the perfect game for, yeah, this to come down to a final possession and us maybe see an upset. But I think the national public wants to see LSU versus South Carolina in that national championship to see that rivalry on the, on the biggest stage. Dawn Staley's got a little bit of a mean strike, doesn't she? I love it. I love it. But, I mean, <laughs> that's fun. loving coaches. Yeah, it's. I want that kind of, you know, Gino Arama, Pat Summit. This what that's what you want, John Thompson, yeah. the great coaches, uh, in, in college basketball. Oh, don't get me started on John Thompson that. with that towel, man. I, I I I hated Georgetown growing up as a kid. There was something about John Thompson that just rubbed me the wrong way. I think today, as an older man, I think I'd embrace it a little bit more. But when I was a kid, I mean, he just wins. He just wins, and that air about him, that arrogance. I love John Thompson. That was my. I met him. uh, Quick story. I met him at the Final Four in New Orleans. You know the the notorious Michigan Final Four. Doing a color analyst. And um, I was I was running up to him. I'm like, "Can a coach gotta get your autograph?" And he's like, "Open the pin, young man." I was like, "Oh my god!" (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. You know, he's a great color analyst. Do you listen to him? Oh, he's phenomenal. He really is. The the resonance of that voice and just his knowledge of the game. Yeah, you know, I could see him being, you know, your daddy. You're like, oh yeah, yeah. I'm the, whatever you say, sir. You know that kind of thing. He's definitely mm-hmm. got the. You, you listen to whatever he says. All right, let's jump over to the men talking about John Thompson. It's getting me fired up about the Final Four and the men because I don't know that it, I've been as we were talking about. Is it a letdown because it's not Kansas, North Carolina, Duke, and Villanova, or are you excited that it's? UConn and Miami and Florida Atlantic and San Diego State. To me, I'd rather see this kind of Final Four. I am sick of Kansas. I am sick of Duke. I am sick of North Carolina. I mean, Jay Wright's going, so if Villanova would have made it, it would have been a great story, but they they stunk this year. But I want this fresh blood in the Final Four, and I am excited to watch it. I think basketball fans are excited about the mix. I think TV executives are not. Yes. You know, that's, right. that's the difference is, you know, because the markets are so skewed now. You've got two markets, you know, in Florida with Florida Atlantic and Miami right. that don't are not big basketball markets. So you're not going to get a ton of eyeballs there. You, you, you get UConn, which is a decent media market. They bring that New York, you know, suburban area, but not a whole bunch. And then, of course, San Diego State, not a big basketball market. So for them, yeah, if you're a TV person, but I think the interest and you look at the stories that have come out of this tournament because of the Florida Atlantic making it because, you know, the, the, this with Brian Dutcher at San Diego state, the, the, oh, the, man. the six degrees of separation for him yes. to get to the final four 30 years since the I last time Chris he was Weber. there. I still see Chris. It, it gives me to- chills. Cause I, that's, <laughs> that's what I grew up with, you know? So to, I, I'm a big Brian Dutcher fan knowing who he was with that team. And, and to, so to see him get this opportunity to take that team, they, went, they were 22-0 and 0 when yeah. COVID hit. You know, so yeah. it's not like he hasn't been working for this opportunity. This is the guy who recruited Kawhi Leonard. You know, so, that the greatest and, interview on the planet, though? I love Coach Dutcher, man. I just love it. You, you, I mean, to me, he is never you – you can't ask him anything about himself. I mean, and he's like – he's not even going to reap praise on, on anyone – it's kind of it's it's you can predict what he's going to say. I mean, yeah. if you were covering San Diego State, you could basically write his quote before you even went to press. And it's just, it, I think it's just a fantastic story, though. You, it is you a great think about, story. And you think about for New Orleans, the connection that New Orleans has to yeah, San Diego absolutely. State. Absolutely, I was there. Nineteen ninety-three you know? when they the the Final Four in ninety-three, I was there. It and was, I, it, you know, I mean, but even. Marshall Falk, Ray Peterson, yeah. guys, you know, the football connection with San Diego State. You talk uh, Curtis Johnson and the guys that he recruited out there for all those years. So it's, it's you know, there's there's a lot to it. And I think that it's just a fantastic story. UConn obviously is probably the favorite at this stage. Um, but whoever wins, it won't be predicted. And I think that's the first time we could really say that since Villanova won it back in 85. Yeah. Do you think Florida Atlantic has a chance? I like San Diego State to beat Florida yeah. Atlantic. Yeah, I mean, so I, I just think San Diego State's a little bit better. I mean, yeah, but it's a great run. I mean, now if you, they do get... You're rooting for San Diego State, but do you think they win it? Yeah, I think... I, 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 you do think oh, I don't they think win they win the championship, no. That's no, what I, I mean. 
I think they get to the championship final, but I don't think they win it. No. I think UConn, and I've said this, and for I was I was afraid to say it. I think before the tournament, although I said they were the best value on the board, I think they were twenty-two to one to win the to win the tournament before it started. It dropped down real quick to ten to one, and. I really thought that they were going to be the, the best team in the tournament or one of the best teams, certainly underrated as a four seed. That's, that, would, to me, was ridiculous. And you saw it early on. I just don't know if UConn can be beat, even in this tournament where all kinds of wild things can happen. And Miami's a pain in the keister, and we saw them come back last weekend. I just don't think anybody can beat UConn. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I thought UConn got a really poor seed. I didn't understand a lot of what the NCAA tournament committee did this year in placing weird. teams, it was extremely really weird. just off. I think they need to reevaluate how they do this, but uh, the, the seating was not great this year. Um, UConn has to be a pretty significant favorite the rest of the way. I agree. And, you know, I just don't know if other teams have the depth, you know, that, that in this stage that, that it's going to take or the individual player talent that you're looking at and say, who's got the best player UConn has the best collection of players. All right. I hate that we're all chalked, but we're obviously in agreement. UConn versus uh, San Diego State and UConn win it all, which I think UConn, San Diego State would be really, really fun to watch on Monday night. All right. What is your prediction for the women? Uh, I've got South Carolina playing Virginia Tech. No offense, Tigers fans, and South Carolina winning. Although, again, I will say, I think tonight they're going to have their hands full. I don't think it's a double-digit victory tonight. Me neither. I think they're going to struggle. I think they're going to win it by between four and six, and it's going to go down to the final two minutes. But I do think it's South Carolina, Virginia Tech, and I think the Gamecocks are the best team in the country. I've said it all season long. I think their record proves it. I think Don Staley proves it. I think the entire ridiculously talented WNBA roster proves it. What's your prediction? I think we do end up with the, with the story. We get LSU versus South Carolina. Okay. I'm going to just go with that on my gut. But I do think South Carolina is the best team. I just think we're going to get the good drama to go into next year, and it'll be, you know, LSU-South Carolina 3 um, next season. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I think next year it's going to be a lot closer between those two, not just because Aaliyah Boston's probably going to leave and go to the WNBA, because South Carolina is still going to be uber-talented and they still have the best – coach on the planet maybe in any I mean I'm talking about anywhere I mean Dawn Staley just scares me we're talking about John Thompson before I think if Dawn Staley came to my house and like opened the pen you said I would probably have to back off a little bit that that's kind of how I think it would be yes mom um that kind of thing but um I am looking forward to to next year because I think LSU right now David may be playing with a little stage fright Still, I don't like the way that Angel Reese is kind of, I think that, I don't know if she's going to come back, but I think she needs another year to come back because she is not ready for the big time, in my opinion. But I think with one more year of season, she really could be. They have not, LSU has not found the arrogance that comes yet. No. They are still they surprised at times. Yes. And you see them, like the players, the way they react is like, oh, we won again. Yes. And they have not gotten to the point where they expect to win. And I think, yeah, that's the big difference. And next year, they're adding the number one player, to, you know, one of the top players in the country. They're at, they'll be older. They'll be more experienced as a group. Because remember, they've had a lot of turnover these first two years. Exactly. They're going to be a, a really difficult team to deal with next season. All right, about seven, eight minutes left. Let's talk about, uh, we still got to talk about Major League Baseball, and we gotta, uh, we're going to finish up with the Saints. MLB opening day. First of all, tell me about is it a new venture? Because I have not seen it until I was going through some things on Twitter. Tell me about MLBBro.com. This is our third season. And, okay. um, but we, How did we, I miss it before then? Because we had been growing. Um, you know, it's, uh, that first year we started by Rob Parker, um, you know, okay. longtime sports yep. journalist and, and Hall of Fame writer, uh, a voter for the, the uh, Hall of Fame for Major League Baseball. And uh, this is something, it was his passion. Uh, he came to a few of us. There were about 11 of us to start. And he said he wanted to, to focus and tell the stories of black and brown major leaguers and, and celebrate them as, because we were starting to see um, a resurgence that, that yes. black players were coming back to the game. And so we wanted to highlight that and kind of, you know, get something that, that, that continued that growth because we all had a passion for the game of baseball and felt like our presence in there was something that the game needed. You know, the more people, the better. And so 
this year we entered into a partnership with Major League Baseball. They came to us and were like, we love what you're doing. We want to expand it. So um, we're able to provide content for MLB.com. Um, some of our writing and some of our social media stuff will be there. And then we just uh, do it. Um, we have a podcast that comes out every week, the MLB Pro, Pro Pod, um, the mixtape where we present stories and, and stats and things with music and things like that. So it's just a really fun way to look at the game of baseball, to talk about the players. We've had buy-in from the Players Alliance. Um, Latroy Hawkins works with us. Gary Sheffield Jr., um, CC the Bathia, the Players Alliance have talked with us. Um, so it's it's great that the players in the game are embracing us. The next generation of, of major leaguers has started to embrace us, and um, we're doing we're having a lot of fun covering a game that we all love. Why has it become more prevalent among black and brown players? Why are there more major league? Why are they getting more in the major league now? I know that Major League Baseball had a big initiative that started probably about a decade or so ago to get into the inner cities and and get youth interested in baseball again because there was a 20 30 year period or so where black kids just didn't want to play baseball they didn't care about baseball but you do see it more prevalent now why is that like you said the money got invested um to 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 give access because there weren't ballparks anymore yeah. You know, where kids could, could just go and play ball. Baseball had become like a country club industry where you had to pay so much money to be part of teams that it just wasn't getting into the public schools or in the neighborhoods where these kids were. And so you've had programs like the RBI initiative and you've had Andre Dawson's initiative to get, um, you know, urban My youth favorite bail. player of all time, by the way. My favorite and his tournament is, was in New Orleans this year at the, uh, you know, out at the lakefront. So you've had these big programs start um, trickling down and filtering into the to, to the the mainstream, and you're starting to see the benefits. And I think kids too look at it and you say, football is a short career. You know, yes. baseball. Even if you get a shot, if you get a chance, you can make good money playing baseball in the minor leagues. Now you see the developments there with the first collective bargaining agreement. You see that the, the negotiations becoming more and more fair to young players, and the baseball contracts are guaranteed, and there's money there. And there's a there's lot of money, and baseball is making record revenues. So to get involved in that industry, it makes it makes nothing but sense. I saw Nico Horner signed a three-year, $35 million contract. Now, look, I'm a Cubs fan. I love Nico Horner. He's a great infielder. But you're telling me Nico Horner is making the same kind of money that a stud star wide receiver would make in the NFL if that can't get kids to open their eyes and and play, as Emac says, and you retire in much better health. <laughs> I mean, but if if that can't get every kid, I don't care whether you're white, brown, yellow, orange, green, it doesn't make a difference. Show me the money, and that's money. Absolutely. I mean, you, you know, you see this. I remember when three million, you know, I remember Ricky Henderson, yes. and Kirby Puckett got three million. Yeah. And we were like, oh my gosh. I remember Dave Winfield got one we got million. Got one million. You yeah. know, Catfish Hunter got a million. It was like, oh my gosh, the world is coming to an end. And now, yeah, you're seeing utility infielders get seven million a year. You see guys getting eleven million to be, you know, at, at Shohei Otani is probably gonna get sixty million. <laughs> you know, you think about it, like his next contract, he's probably gonna get fifty to sixty million guaranteed. Per year, it's crazy. And well, I, I love it. I love the interest in this game because baseball has always been my favorite sport. Don't get me wrong. I love football. I love basketball. Although it takes me a little bit longer to get into basketball because football drags. I'm, we everything we do revolves around football. <laughs> so by the time I get into basketball, it's probably January. But to me, there's something about baseball that just it's different than everything else. And I know it's every day, and some people can't do it, and the grind is long, but. There's just something about baseball, and I think it maybe my favorite times are growing up, uh, spending time with my grandfather, and you know, going to see uh, major league teams play spring training games here. And I'm I'm actually old enough to go see the 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 old Pelicans play in 1977 when Tony Larusa was on the team back in the Superdome, which was ridiculous. But uh, you know, so I, I don't know. I think growing up with it, maybe that's why. But there's just something about baseball, and I'm glad to see that it is starting to maybe take another step. I was so, you know, I think there are a lot of people who criticize the World Baseball Classic and say it's unnecessary. Oh, it was it's awesome a marketing this tool. Year. But I think it's a fantastic, it is a marketing tool because you're trying to sell the game right. and make it grow. And, and you can see that the world 
I think Major League Baseball, the best thing that it's learning is that the world is much more relaxed about baseball. And we're starting to see the death of the unwritten rules. And we're just letting people enjoy the game. And that part is, is, I think, is, is great for the game of baseball, that we embrace the, the culture of enjoying it. It doesn't have to be something you sit on your hands for. That's one of the things that, that I think is changing. And baseball is embracing culture like they've never embraced it before because, frankly, they had to. Um, if they, they hadn't, they'd have, been going, they'd have been extinct like the dinosaur. And to me, it's, it's this colorful game now uh, where you do see personalities and, and personalities from everywhere. And so to me, you think about the World Baseball Classic, of course it's a marketing tool, but I tell you, it, it was a lot of fun to watch this year. I mean, and, and I never thought I would get into it. I started watching it because, you know, there was nothing else on. I'm like, man, this is pretty good. And I, mean, I it, stuck with it. They were getting huge ratings for, again, beating out great. NBA games, beating out regular season Major League Baseball games. And I think you, you want that passion Sports is driven by passion. Entertainment is driven by passion. And that's what the World Baseball Classic stirs up for people, is that passion about the game that they love. No doubt about it. Uh, What do you think about the new rules? I'm not, you know, some of them I don't care one way or the other. I mean, I know there's like this, you know, there's no more shift anymore and people losing their minds. I don't care one way or the other. I mean, to me, it it is what it is. It's the same for everyone. Um, I never really liked the shift anyway. I thought it was dumb. Uh, I'm kind of glad it's gone. I thought I would hate the big bases thing. I guess I really don't care if it's going to make stolen bases go up and, and help offense great and help protect players, which they say it's also going to do. But the one rule that came in, into uh, that I didn't think I would like, but I really do after just one day is the, the pitch, pitch clock. clock. Yes. Uh, the pitch clock and, and stop stepping out rule, whatever you want to call it. I mean, uh, somewhere I'd, Somewhere Joe, what's his name who sang Stepping Out? Joe Jackson, Joe, <laughs> whatever the hell his name was back then. But I think it's, it's great. I mean, games in two hours and 30 minutes, it's phenomenal. That, that is the pace that you want for baseball. That's where it should be. This is, you know, we had games yesterday that had runs that were entertaining, but they moved at a much better pace. And that's what fans want. That's what it, it should be. And I think it, it was a mindset that batters and pitchers took advantage of for too long. And now you've also put some pressure on the umpires to do your job. Yep. Keep the game and moving. And, and I appreciate it. And it's only one game. But I, I don't think I've ever seen an opening day where you can say, it's going to be different this year. And it's going to be. I, I don't think there's any way around it. As long as they have it like it was yesterday and the last time they tried to institute a pitch clock or whatever they just kind of ignored it and whatever and mm-hmm. but they're not going to it's actually the clock is in was in every single little score bug and everything else i like it and i didn't think i would and i gotta say i'm all about games too because if a yankees can play in two hours and 38 minutes then anybody can anybody because if you get a boston red sox yankee game under yes. three hours yeah, that's hey, when I really believe it. I'm all for happens. it. I'm all for it. Yeah. I'm tired of four and a half hour baseball games. That should never happen. Never. Agree a hundred. I couldn't agree more. And you know, watching LSU Tennessee last night, kind of flipping back and forth, and then even when the Pell started, I was kind of flipping back and forth to see how they would finish. But uh, you know, the college game is now to the point where they're playing three and a half hour baseball games. And I've called, I've called some Loyola games this season. That lasted over three hours. I'm like, okay, we're getting absurd. It needs to be changed. It needs to be changed, and I'm glad they're they're doing so. We'll see if everybody can do it, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I am I am for uniform rules. If yeah. you're playing the same game, let's get similar rules here. Hundred percent. You know, I, I think college. There are things clearly. MLB is learning from college baseball. College baseball can keep taking some things from Major League Baseball too. All right, you and I have been on on the same page for most of the show. We're gonna finish it and see if we end on the same page. We're going to finish it by talking a little bit about the New Orleans Saints. Not a lot going on right now. And I don't want to – look, I don't want to overload with draft talk because the draft's still a month away. You start talking about it, you can't stop, and you, you talk about the same things over and over again. But we talked on Bayou Bets yesterday on our show here on bet.nola.com with Zach Ewing and Spencer Urquhart, all, all our friends at bet.nola.com. But we talk about the draft, and the number one topic right now is if you're a Saints fan or if you're a Saints follower – What are the Saints going to do with the first part of their draft? What do they need most? And all these mock drafts that we've been seeing, or not all of them, but most of them, have the Saints either drafting 
an d- interior defensive lineman or a tight end. And to me, David, I, don't, I understand we, the Saints needed defensive tackle before, but I don't necessarily think they need that now. It's certainly not a number one need. And I know the Saints aren't always need first. They, they, whoever's first on the draft board is a lot of times what they do. But I think the Saints have to go either running back, offensive lineman, or wide receiver. You can put them in whatever order you want. I personally put running back first. But to me, the first three picks, or at least the first two picks, in my opinion, or two of the first three, need to be from those three positions. I'm definitely a big fan of them taking an offensive lineman because I do not think that the Saints can feel confident about what they have at the line. You know, two years ago, yeah, those names on paper all looked really good. But I don't think anybody's satisfied with where Cesar Ruiz is as a player. Ryan Ramchick the last two years has not been the Ryan Ramchick who was the of his first three years in the NFL. Um, you know, Trevor Penning is a guy coming off of injury and a rookie, essentially, in the NFL. Um, Andrews Pete has never been the guy that saved him for last that you live that has lived up to what you'd expect him to be. And he gets like, as we talked about offline, he gets injured walking to the huddle. So, (laughs) and this is a line that is all of these guys have missed time, unfortunately. And Eric McCoy as well. And Eric McCoy as well. So, you know, you look at this line and you can't feel confident that you have enough depth. And we have seen over the last two years, as soon as this line gets fractured, the offensive production goes to a standstill. It doesn't matter how good your quarterback is. You invested in Derek Carr, you got to protect him. So you spend all this money on your quarterback, you better make sure that that line is good to go. And you talk about Derek Carr. He has played with, um, let's be nice and say, shoddy offensive lines throughout most of his nine-year career, So, which is kind of interesting that he comes here because I think that you have to look at the Saints since Drew Brees left, and the offensive line has been on decline. Uh, been in major decline. And, I, and look, they tried to address a dra- drafting Trevor Penning last year. We don't know. If, I mean, he, he didn't get enough. I thought last year was going to be, hey, going into last year, you just plug him in there, you let him take his licks, and at least in year two, it'll be kind of like Teron Armstead. I thought when Teron Armstead started, remember that game he came in against the Panthers, he looked lost. Right. And by, by next season, he looked like maybe not like the Armstead that we ended up seeing, but ready to play National Football League football. And so Trevor Penning, like you say, I mean, he's basically a rookie. I think this, they need, I, I wouldn't be upset at all if they went offensive line here, get as much help as you can get there. Absolutely. I, I think you have to. You need guys who with some size. You need some road graders too because yeah. the one thing the Saints have not been able to do is, is run the football. You know, we talk about as bad as the quarterback play has been, but they can't run the football. Alec Kamara has been averaging under three, four yards a carry for the last two seasons. So until they can reestablish the running game, yeah, you got Jamal Williams, but he had a decent running line, you know, line in front of him in Detroit last year that with some continuity. Those guys didn't get hurt. So you've got to see some continuity with this line, and there is none right now. We have no we've never seen this group together. So how can we know how good they're gonna be? It's gonna be an interesting scenario, and it'll play itself out over the course of the next month or so. Um, David, I want you to come back if you can before before this Pelican season is completely over. Obviously, we hope they make the champion i mean we, we hope they make it the real playoffs that would be great if they could make the top six but can't expect it um but if they make that play in game would love to have you back and we'll talk pals again absolutely you know you, you know how to get me and i you know i'm sorry it took me that that long to get david back i was looking back to see when it been i think close to a year since the last time he was on the show so he is a wonderful guest, very knowledgeable. Obviously, anything, when it comes to anything Pelicans, we got to talk to David Grubb because he is excellent, uh, and we'll have him on again soon. All right, um, look, we, we, we are trying to cut the length of these shows down, but I am a talker. I mean, I just start talking, and I can't stop talking. I talk. All you want to do is talk, talk. No, that is not my outro song of the day. Uh, before we leave you, I'm, I'm trying to think of what would be a good outro song. And look, I'm a fool. I mean, everybody knows. That's why April Fool's Day really ought to be my national day. And it's exciting for me because I'm actually getting air conditioner put in my studio here. I've been, I was relegated by the family to the garage probably late October-ish, um, maybe early November. So it wasn't so bad. And it hasn't been, but there have been a few days already where it's been like 
86 in here and I'm trying to do a show and I'm going by you bets and I'm trying not to sweat and I'm trying to look not stupid. Yeah, well, that didn't happen. So April Fool's Day on what it should be just a fun, fun day for me because I'm a fool. Get an air conditioner put in the garage. So next time you talk to me or hear me talk to you, um, it'll be nice and cool and comfy no matter what the temperature is outside. I'm excited about it. You may not be thrilled about it, but, hey, I am thrilled that I made it this far. So, anyway, all that long-winded crap leads me to what song are we going to pick? It had to have Fool in the title. And, you know, one of my favorite songs that has Fool in the title, because it's so true, What a Fool Believes by the Doobie Road. What a Fool Believes He Sees. That is, you know, I have learned that more and more as I get older, and we talk about who the Saints should draft and all these things that that people say i got a text this morning as we go off and you can just enjoy the song in the background somebody wrote in and i don't know if she's being facetious or being just a numb nuts marianne price if you're listening god love you she says datitude d-a-t-a-t-u-d-e which isn't even close to how we spell the name of this podcast by the way that's fascist. What is datitude? Again, spelled way incorrectly. Dat is broken English. Louisiana misspelled, so that's why I think she's being a moron and thinks she's funny. Tude, short for mood disorders. Datitude is lead in your water. What? 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 Anyway, thank you, Marianne. We appreciate that people are paying attention. Some of the emails that I get, that I just ignore so anyway, what a fool believes he or she sees. We'll just leave you with that thought as you enjoy all the craziness that's going to happen this weekend. Final four, LSU women, can they play? Can they make it to Sunday? They got to beat Virginia Tech first. It would be one hell of a thing if they can make it to a championship game. You got UConn? You got San Diego State? Who you got? You got anything riding on? Is your bracket even kind of alive? I seriously doubt it. Major League Baseball, opening day was yesterday. Can't give up. The Cubs have a chance to go 162-0. My big fantasy draft tonight, all the numb nuts, the Larry Holders, the Mike Pranges, the Doug Mutons of the world, Mike Triplett, Jeff Duncan. I'll see them tonight. Gonna have fun at Drago's. But for you, I have to be around those fools. You try to stay away from fools. Again, we all know what a fool believes, right? See you next Friday. Peace and love, my friends. Cheers.